Our scripture reading for this morning is that great text in Luke chapter 2 where we hear of the shepherds receiving the word from the angels. And if you'd like to read along with me, you can find it in the Bibles in the Purex or it will also then be upon the screen. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we are envious of the shepherds being able to hear the angels sing and of the message proclaimed to them. And yet, Lord, that message comes to us here and now. And I pray, Lord God, in these moments that you would draw us to the manger and then to your throne, that we might love you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's lots of music happening, and you'll probably hear some of the secular songs like it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. Yeah, it sure is. We're trying to get things done, we're getting ready to travel, we're struggling with getting all of our shopping done. And so it doesn't always feel a lot like peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It is feeling a lot like Christmas. It makes me think of the husband who was complaining to his wife about getting everything done and all the shopping, and she said, well, let's, let's go simple this year. Let's get simple gifts for one another, like socks and fur coats. Amidst all of this, we're invited to the call of peace. We're invited to hear the good news. And you know, that wasn't a new call. God, throughout all of salvation history in the Old Testament, has been proclaiming the vision of this word, shalom, peace. But not just an absence of conflict, but a wholeness, a sense of being known by God and God knowing us. Our text for today speaks of God speaking into and entering the world and about his messengers, and who those messengers are and how we receive them and how we then become God's messengers as well. And it begins by tying back to the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, which, is, says, which says, the poor have good news proclaimed to them. The good news comes first to the shepherds and then moves from the shepherds then to us. We live our lives in and out of the presence of a variety of types of people. And one of the things that worries me is that we tend to see people in kind of a one-dimensional kind of way. But none of us are one-dimensional. All of us have different aspects of our personality, different tasks in our lives. The shepherds don't just 
herd sheep. They also proclaim good news. Teachers don't just teach children. They have other lives as well. Athletes aren't just good at their sports. They have other things that they do. And you and I, as Christians, are invited to receive this good news and then to be people who receive the people who share this with us and then take it out into the world. This is the story of God coming to the lowly and to the lonely and sharing with us the very presence of God that God has come to us. So God comes to us in a variety of ways, but first of all, we recognize and we, and we proclaim the presence of God that God comes to save an undeserving humanity. We have erred most greatly throughout history when we felt like we can earn our own salvation, when we think it's up to us that a connection with God begins with our effort, with our seeking, we, we miss the mark. When we think it's possible for us to reach God on our own strength, when we think it depends upon us that we're good enough or do enough right things and we're okay that way, we miss the mark that none of us deserves the salvation that God gives to us. Scripture says no one is righteous in and of themselves. God comes to us even in our undeservedness. And I think that one of the temptations for us is to think that sometimes because we are educated, talented, successful people, that somehow we do deserve it. That somehow God is blessing us because God has seen something in us that deserves that blessing. But when we do that, we set ourselves apart from other people and we begin comparing and we begin judging. We forget that no one is righteous, that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, each and every one of us. And so when Jesus is born in the manger, when God's presence comes to humanity, it comes to a humanity which doesn't deserve it. And we're part of that as well. The entire sweep of the biblical story is that God has come calling to save an undeserved humanity. Sometimes people have listened. More often, people have ignored God's call or rebelled against God's call. And yet, God keeps coming. God came back to the Garden of Eden to have fellowship with Adam and Eve. God brought the law to the people of Israel and led them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, into the promised land. When they were in exile, God sent prophets to remind them, and now God has sent his Messiah. So God's presence comes to us in these words of the angels. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The good news is that even though no one has deserved it, that God has come to us in a humble human form because God loves us. That through the birth of the Messiah, God sends his favor to people who have done nothing to deserve it, and he graciously grants us peace. God's presence comes to us next then when God comes to live with an unexpected people. Now let's be honest, how often in a given day are we thinking, I wonder what God's gonna do right now? Where is God gonna show up in the world? What is God gonna cause me to do? What is God going to remind me of? We tend not to be expectant that God is going to act right now, right now. And this lack of expectancy cripples us. Timothy, um, in his second letter, was talking about problems in the last days of people not being close to God. And he talks about a variety of different ways that people walk away from God, the ways people sin and reject God and the values that are so ungodly. But he ends it with saying, the problem is going to be with people who have a form of godliness but deny its power. 
Isn't that what it means to live without a sense of expectancy? That we believe that God has done some things and we believe that God is holy and powerful, but we're not expecting God to show up right now. And that's not always true, but sometimes we're distracted from things around us and, and gosh, God does know how many things we have on our to-do list right now. God does know how pressured we feel to make all the arrangements for the family coming in or the trip that we're going to take. But when we don't push through that with a sense of expectancy, we, we miss out. We miss out. And we miss out to God's activity, we miss out on God's presence, and we miss out on a vision of God that goes beyond our limitations. The Take Root video hinted to that about how God is working through people and, and moving our generosity beyond ourselves to others, but also growing us and filling us. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus was speaking to the disciples about the very last days. And he was talking to them about when Christ will come again. And he says these words in Matthew 24, verses 36 and then 42. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Therefore, he says, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Keep watch. That's living with a sense of expectancy that God is going to show up and going to act. And when we don't live with expectancy, we end up following our own vision, don't we? And so we expect God to be in the wrong time and the wrong place. We expect God to be only with a certain type of people. We expect God to be with us in the ways, oftentimes, honestly, we want God to be with us. When sometimes God wants to shatter our sense of complacency and lead us into the presence of people and circumstances that we might not do on our own. So we need to expect that God's going to act but be open to how God is going to act and let God act the way God is going to act so we don't miss the evidences of him at work. When we're not looking for one thing where God is doing another. Many years ago, the journalist Harry Reasoner wrote a piece about Christmas on the show 60 Minutes. And he said the basis for this tremendous burst of buying things and gift giving and parties and near hysteria is a quiet event that happened a long time ago. You can say that in all societies there has always been a midwinter festival, that many trappings of our Christmas are almost violently pagan, but you come back to the central fact of the day, the birth of God on earth. It leaves you with only three ways of accepting Christmas. One is cynically, as a time to make money or endorse certain products or practices. One is graciously, which is the appropriate attitude for non-Christians who wish their fellow citizens the best on this day. And third, of course, is reverently, that if this is the anniversary of the appearance of the Lord of the universe as a helpless babe, it's a very important day. That almost nobody has ever seen God, and almost nobody has an, any, an idea really of what God is like, but everyone has seen babies, and most people like them. But if God wanted to be loved, if God wanted to be intimately a part of our lives, he moved correctly. For the experience of birth and family is our most intimate and precious experience. And then he says this. So if a Christian is touched only once a year, that touching is still worth it. And maybe on some given Christmas, some quiet morning, that touch 
will take. And I love that idea that, that we, we move into this season with a sense of God's presence and there is sentiment and that's good, but there needs to be expectation that what God is doing in us is a beginning during the season and not the end of the year, not just something that's culminating 2018, but that God's beginning a work in our lives. And so the angel proclaims, I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That as we live in a sense of expectation, that joy comes to us and transforms us and enables us then to be people who go and proclaim the message that we've been given. So God comes to an undeserving humanity, God comes to an unexpected people, and God's presence comes amazingly when God comes to share good news through an unaccepted group. And this is where we begin to trip, because we want God to act through the, the beautiful and the expected and the well done, and sometimes it doesn't happen that way. We have a celebrity culture, we look at international, national, even local people, and we grant them a certain credibility by how they look, and conversely, we look at other people and we look down on them. They may be simple, they may be lowly, they may be rejected, they may be different from us. But it's so amazing to me that God chooses to come through those who are unaccepted. And it reminds us that we cannot run the danger of discrediting another group of people because they're not like us, or to ignore them because we're not close to them. But as William Barclay said, the shepherds were despised by the orthodox good people of the day. They were quite unable to keep the details of the ceremonial law. They could not observe all the meticulous hand washings and rules and regulations. Their flocks made far too consistent demands on them, and so the religious people looked down on them it was to simple men of the fields that God's message first came. Now think about the shepherds, and, and we, we've always kind of scrubbed our shepherds off and we've put them in a good light, but think about what it means to be a shepherd, to be living out in fields. No bathrooms, no showers, no great lights except when the angels show up. They weren't allowed in the temple. They weren't welcome there because they lived a dirty existence with unclean animals. They weren't welcomed by the religious leaders. They weren't prominent folks. They weren't considered a worthy group to come amidst the mainstream of society at that time. They were rejected. They were outcast. They lived on the other side of the tracks. They lived in the other neighborhood. They weren't people that good folks hung around with. And frankly, at the time, Joseph and Mary aren't very far behind. They're traveling around, they've got no place to stay. But God comes to the shepherds with the message, why? Why does God come to the shepherds? Well, one of the things I think simply is that they had the ability to listen. They didn't have all the distractions in their lives, they were out in God's creation, they were tending their shepherds by night. It was quiet in such a way as you and I never experience. And so they were able to hear. They were able to listen. For some reason, God seems all throughout Scripture to come to the poor. The poor seem to have an ear bent toward God because they understand that they can depend on God and they can't depend on anybody else. There's nobody else to lift them up. There's nobody else to care for them. And God has consistently promised to come to them because God loves them. God always seems to come to the poor. And so, 
the angels speak and the shepherds hear. God comes and he calls, he calls people on the margins of life and he calls then us to people on the margins of life who are to play a role in the advancement of his kingdom. Dan and I were talking about this sermon in preparation for it a couple weeks ago and he was talking about how, you know, there might have been a Moses and a David out in these shepherds, a Mo and David in these particular group of people. But you know, there were other shepherds named Moses and named David. And God has reached out to them. And it happened before when Moses was in exile in the wilderness, shamed, guilty, and exiled. God came for him, called him back, brought him to bless a nation. He said, Mo, you take these people out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You show them my power and my grace. It happened when a young man named David wandered into a battle. He was chosen last among his brothers. He was considered insignificant. He was forgotten. He was underestimated. Yet he slew the giant and went on then to rule the nation. But if anything, I think, these unnamed shepherds in the Christmas story accomplished more. Totally forgotten, rejected by their peers, unclean, unworthy, rejected. They heard, they were welcomed, and then they proclaimed, this blessed new family has been put together by God and he will change the world. So the word from the shepherd, to the shepherds is, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So as we approach Christmas Day, as we continue to watch and wait through this Advent season, God invites us to remember that we're not deserved, but we're loved. God reminds us that we're not expectant, but we can become. And God reminds us that there are people in our midst, not only who we can go to, to bless them in the name of Jesus Christ, but who perhaps have something to teach us. God valued them, God called them, and we're called then to move toward them as well. We're called to move toward them as God's messengers of peace and grace and I hope generosity. And God calls us to receive them as they move toward us, also as God's messengers who have something to teach us. There's a big tendency to move toward glitter and grandeur, but let me close with, or almost close with, words written by E.C. Baird many, many years ago, 100 years ago, when he talks about the Christmas spirit. He says, I enter the home of poverty, causing pale-faced children to open their eyes wide in pleased wonder. I cause the miser's clutched hand to relax and thus paint a bright spot on his soul. I cause the aged to renew their youth and to laugh in the old glad way. I keep romance alive in the heart of childhood and brighten sleep with dreams woven of magic. I cause eager feet to climb dark stairways with filled baskets, leaving behind hearts amazed at goodness in the world. I cause the prodigal to pause a moment on his wild, wasteful way and to send to anxious love some little token that releases glad tears tears which wash away the hard lines of sorrow. I enter dark prison cells, reminding scarred manhood of what might have been and pointing forward to good days yet to be. I come softly into the still white home of pain and lips that are too weak to speak just tremble in silent, eloquent gratitude. In a thousand ways, I cause the weary world to look up into the face of God and for a little moment forget the things that are small and wretched. Friends, this is the Christmas spirit, moving to the simple, 
learning from the simple, moving to the lowly, learning from the lowly, moving to the needy, learning from the needy, that the angel who came and told the shepherds also announced to us the Messiah Jesus, who came to be the good shepherd, and later the Lamb of God who sacrificed himself for the sins of the world. The manger leads us through our lifetimes to the cross. So let's learn. Let's look for him in the lowly, the lonely, the simple, the marginalized, to receive him, to learn from him, to worship and adore him, God who has become present with us. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you chose to come to people who are far more like us than we oftentimes care to admit and who receive the message. Lord, may we too receive you this day as you choose to enter our hearts and as we receive you by faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.